0: You may be seated. I have graciously been allowed um, to take two Sundays to do this, so I'm not nearly as rushed as I thought would be. I I was reading along in Acts, I believe, uh, several weeks ago, and I hit a verse, and it just really it made me pause and think and question. And I talked to Caleb a little bit about it, but to the family, and Caleb had some answers, and I, I'm not sure I was satisfied with those answers, so I kept digging and I kept thinking. And that's kind of where this was born, but I can tell you, I, I have probably researched this particular sermon today than I have more so than any other one I've given. I, I, I feel well prepared on paper, but not even close to being prepared as I need to be in spirit. So just bear with me as we go through this. Two things I wanted to share before we get into it. There is a a pre-sermon, as it were, uh, that I just heard and I thought was so good. I want to pass it on just as a challenge for us of us. But if I were to draw a picture up here, I could show you something in in a way. But I I think we can all just envision this. So remember going to the boat launch and remember going down the ramp with with one of our youth or with one of the older people and, and being baptized and coming up out of the water, and coming out of the water, how would you describe that person? And don't get overly spiritual on me. How would you describe a person who just came out of the water? Dripping Dripping wet. Absolutely. How would you describe a child who went down to the exact same location and went swimming and came out of the water? Dripping wet, right? The difference is one had the purpose of getting wet. The reason they went to the water was to get wet. Whereas the other one had a spiritual reason. They had, they had a goal in mind to obey Jesus and what Jesus said. And as a side result of that obedience to Jesus, they got wet. Same situation, totally different purpose. We're going to be going through something. The title, the title of today's sermon is What's the Difference? Now we're going to be talking about some things that are a challenge and I, and I hope that I'm not challenging the church. I'm challenging individuals. Because this is really written to me. I, I hit that verse and I was, I was perplexed. And I wanted to study it out. And then that started a process. And I have probably listened to about 12 different sermons on this one topic. Starting with Denny Kennison and, and just working my way all the way to a YWAM message that I didn't really appreciate that much. But at any rate... Um, I, I listened to all of them just to try to dig through this and hit the scriptures and, and hit the internet. And I, I, I did everything I could to kind of figure this out. And I still, I'm not there. I feel like I'm significantly closer. But before we get into that, the pre-sermon warning, I did hear a sermon. I just, I just wanted to hear something slightly different. So I listened to a completely different sermon, uh, not about this topic. And, uh, and the fella, he said something that really hit me. He said, um, he quoted this verse, and this is out of a different translation. So, so just be prepared to go. That's the Bible, anyway. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living, life giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed. With pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now in the day that His returning is drawing near. Why are we here this morning? That's the priest sermon. Why are we here? And, and if I hear that the, the, the pat answer is to bring glory to Christ, well, amen, bring glory to Christ. But I hope you're doing that at work too. Hope you're doing that just driving, driving down to the, the, the schoolhouse or whatever. But why are we here? We are here to encourage one another, to stir up the gifts. We are here to, to listen to instruction so that we can be empowered to be able to bless and to be his witness. We're here for all those things. If you're here to play church, then what we're about to talk about won't mean much. It'll be something you can disagree with on doctrinal levels. It'll be something that, well, you know, I sure wish he had said it differently. It'll be all these things. But if if we're here to stir one another up, then right now, as I go through what I'm about to go through, I ask you this. Deep self-reflection. Is this true of me? Because that's how I'm reading it, that's how I'm I'm prepared it, that's how I've listened to it, that's my takeaway. So let's get into it. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit here this morning, we ask that you come and you would interpret these words, that you would just uh, shed off the words that are of man, and that uh, Father, you would hit deep within our hearts those things that need to change. Challenge us, Lord. I pray, Father, that we came here this morning not only to stir one another up, but to be prepared to be stirred ourselves. And that you would, you would fulfill your word in us, that you would be present, that you would speak, that you would challenge, you would shape and you would mold, and that we would listen to you. Holy Spirit, you are invited here this morning. May you feel welcomed in our thoughts and our self-reflection. May you feel welcomed in my words. May you feel welcome, Lord, in our, in our uh, fellowship afterwards. In Jesus' name, amen. Advertising lets a person know what they're getting. I choose this product over this product because of what I've been told. That's a, that's why huge lawsuits are often filed over false advertising, right? It's, it's an unfair advantage to their competitors. Energy drink company Red Bull was sued in 2014 for its slogan, Red Bull gives you wings. The company settled the class action suit, uh, agreeing to pay a maximum of $13 million, including $10 to every U.S. customer who had ever bought the drink since 2002. The tagline which the company used for nearly two decades went along uh, alongside marketing claims that the caffeinated drink would improve a customer's concentration and reaction speed. A fellow, I'll try his name, Begagan Cathuthers, Carruthers, maybe the Carruthers, I'll go on with that. Big Begegan, yeah, what I just said, was one of the several consumers who bought the, brought the case against the Australian drinking company. He said he was a regular consumer of Red Bull for 10 years, but he had not developed wings. Showed any signs of improved intellectual or physical abilities. $13 million. Because they said one thing, they didn't fulfill it. Even as silly as it was, they said one thing, they didn't fulfill it. Ads for Dannon's uh, popular Activa brand yogurt landed the company with a class-action settlement of $45 million in 2010. The yogurts were marked as being clinically and scientifically proven to boost your immune system and able to help you regu- your regular digestion. The Activia, Activia, uh ad campaign claimed that the yogurt had... Special bacteria ingredients. As a result, the yogurt was sold at 30% higher price than other similar products. However, the Cleveland judge overseeing the case said that these claims were unproven. On top of the fine of $45 million, Dannon was ordered to remove clinically and scientifically proven from its labels. $45 million. Are you getting the idea that if you say something, it better be true? Let me read a verse out of Joel. To set it in context, Israel was being judged heavily. They were being uh, escorted out of the country. Things were being uh, uh, ripped up, torn. They Their their life, their expectancy, they put into slavery. And they told what evil was going to come to them. And then God takes the time in the midst of all that correction to give them some comfort by giving them a promise. He gives a promise. And out of that comes this well-known promise to us. Joel 2 Verse 28 and on, it says this, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my man, men servants and my maiden servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Jumping ahead a couple of verses. And it shall come to pass... That whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in the Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance as the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Peter claims the fulfillment of this verse in Acts chapter 2, right? Um, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they're full of new wine. But Peter, standing up in the uh from with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass. Does it sound familiar? It should come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor and smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter said it was a fulfillment in his day. It was fulfilled. And indeed, much of it was. But did it have to end there? Did it end there? Is there still an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Where is the drunken behavior today? Where, Where is the dancing and the and exuberance? Where is the being filled with the Holy Spirit? I, 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 I hate to say that sometimes it's so powerful. The Being the presence, it's like being next to a lightning bolt and, and your hair stands up on end just because of the static charge in the air. I'm not saying that God, Holy Spirit can't be experienced in 4-4 measure, but it better be experienced beyond the 4-4 measure. I ask you, brothers, old men in this room, (laughs) because you're the... Am I older than you? No, we established this before. Barely. (laughs) Old men, are you dreaming God-inspired dreams? Young men, are you seeing God's vision for your life? For the life of your fellowship, for God's moving in the nations, a vision of glorifying God by, by bringing Him to the unsaved. Young ladies, have you ever felt the outpouring of the Spirit of God in your life? He promises power to comfort, answer prayer, wisdom, understanding, counsel, and, and might, knowledge, And the fear of the Lord, it's all in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. Some tremendous promises about Jesus that we get to experience when we're in Jesus, filled by that Holy Spirit. Are you feeling those gifts, though? See, it's not a matter of those gifts being sprinkled out. It doesn't talk like that. It says that you're going to be filled with it. It it says it's going to be overflowing out of you. Are we experiencing that? It's going to be poured out on you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sons and daughters prophesying. Sons and daughters prophesying. Where is this happening? I can't remember the last time a young person stood up in the middle of this congregation and said, thus saith the Lord. I mean... Yes, I've had seen young people read out of the Bible and give some ideas and some thoughts, regurgitate some things, but but when is, when is the Spirit moving? When is there... A, like, this is what God is saying. I was sitting right there behind Brother Glenn there right now uh, before this sermon, and I, and I was just thinking, and I felt just a tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit. You're about to talk about a lot of things... About what the ministry of the Holy Spirit does to the individual, you better clarify at the beginning that that's not the goal. The goal is like the baptism, going into the water to obey God, and when you come out, you have the, you have the evidence of doing that because you're dripping wet. And we're gonna be talking about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I, and I wanna just fire us all up with this idea that, Lord, am I where I need to be? with you. Am I in relationship with the Holy Spirit? Am I dripping wet? I don't want to stir up anything in us that go, "Oh, I just I just want to speak in tongues. I just want I want the gift of this. I want the gift of that." No, it's are you obeying God? Then you're going to have that secondary evidence of these gifts flowing out that quite frankly I just don't see in me. Again, I'm not trying to correct a church. I'm correcting me. I hit that verse in Joel and Acts. I hit that verse and went, "Huh, what's the last time I prophesied? When was the last time? What? What? When have I seen any of these things happening?" Anyway, can it can it not be for now? This is a convicting thought. Here, here, here's here's something that hit me, and it's it's just like you know walking in a room full of junk, and, and there's something sticking out from a wall and it snags your shirt. That's kind of how this, this quote I'm about to read you hit me. I'm thinking through these things, I'm asking God, where is this in my life? And then I read this quote, this is from Tozer. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. This room is filled with talented speakers. This room is filled with ladies and men of compassion and comfort and counsel. This room is filled with talent incredible talent. Is it talent from the Holy Spirit? Are we allowing him to fire up gifts in us? Are we asking God, Don't, I want more than bread. I want the spirit. I want to be infilled with power so I can glorify you more, so I can, I can be a witness for you more. Is it safe to say we are not moving in the power and the authority? Each one will have an answer this morning. I'm not saying that to, for you to say back to me, as 80% of what I'm sharing today, folks, I'm, again, preaching to me. So contemplate as you think. Don't get defensive about what I'm saying about our body. We have a lot of health here, a lot of good health. I am blessed to be here in a group of people who take seriously the Word of God and want to live it. So individually be thinking of this, okay? Am I moving? Am I experiencing? If the Holy Spirit was removed from the earth, would my life be any different right now? Or would I still be faithful to this church? I would still read my Bible. I'd still go about these prayers. Just, just be thinking along those lines. Me individually, would I be any different? Each one will have to answer that this morning. Are there victory over doubts as the early church received that we just studied in Peter, right? In First Peter, there was there was uh, that victory over doubts that really hit me. Do I have victory over doubts? Is the Holy Spirit ministering to my conscience when I have doubts about things? Am I hearing him? What are we to be doing different? Or is the question a matter of timing? We are comfortable and lack nothing. The Bible has been published and so available to everyone in this room, including the youngest ones among us that have probably multiple translations, have multiple Bibles sitting on their bookshelves, He no longer has to confirm his word with miracles and spectacular impressive gifts like healing, speaking in tongues, prophesying. We can honestly attest to wisdom that he gave to the doctors. And we have Google language translators in every pocket. We don't need that speaking in tongues issue to share the gospel. And as much forth, and prophesying is as much forth-telling, that is telling the truth, as to say the prophecy is telling the future we can we can rely on all those things I can pray for a for God to heal somebody through the wisdom of the emergency room doctor and I have no problem with that do I have any problem with me praying that God would heal them immediately oh I say the words and I want to feel them a hundred percent but I got to be completely honest with you and I I wrestle those doubts that God says he's going to give me victory over why am I still wrestling with them? But I ask, in the light of the observation of what Mr. Tozer had to share, how do we know if the Holy Spirit left us? I can still pray those prayers. I can still say that God gave wisdom to the doctors. And doctor, I hope you have a good PhD that didn't come from the Caribbean somewhere. You know, I I hope that that. I'm sorry. I didn't, you, did you go to a Caribbean doctor? <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know. I. I just I am not experiencing what I feel like is a New Testament, new a story of what was happening when the Bible was being put together, and you may disagree with my premise here, that He is as active into us today as He was, or you might say the need measures the answer. That if I was in deep need, I would find this 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 pull, this draw to say, Holy Spirit, come! I, I desperately need. My child is sick, and I need you. I mean, that that could be, um, but I. I I tell you right now, I, I need him. I need him. Yesterday I was working on something and something got, didn't happen right, the way I wanted. It was the first screw. I was setting into a very important piece of work and it's stripped right away. I mean, it's stripped to the point where I couldn't get it in or out. It's stripped and it was a very important piece. I didn't want this thing marred in any way and just then, just as I took the thing away and I was so frustrated, my son calls me about some question about a lawnmower that we don't need fixed right now. And I was not kind. I was not kind. I need the Holy Spirit to be soaking me. I need the patience He's promised me. It's a gift. It's what He says comes with His presence. I can't expect to come out of the baptismal water and not be wet. I can't expect... To be in communion, be in relationship, be, be in right path with Jesus and, and with the Holy Spirit and not experience patience. Patience should be there. It should be an evidence. The Holy Spirit is so important and throughout the Bible. Can anybody hear? Here's a little bit of a quiz. Yeah, apparently children's Bible trivia is really important. I didn't know it was as important as a story. That was impressive. Um, but how's this? Where's the first verse that talks about God's Holy Spirit? Where is it mentioned in the Bible? Genesis one two. What? Sorry. Second verse in the Bible. Verse in the Bible. Well done. And the spirit. What what's it say? I have it right here. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I'm sorry. I'll back it up. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Right there in creation, we hear about this, the Holy Spirit. Anybody want to tell me the last verse he's mentioned in the Bible? Where? Where? Which one? Revelation 17. A little bit farther. How about Revelation 22, the last chapter? Verse 17 says And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let us. Uh, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever denies, uh, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Five verses from the end of the Bible. Second verse in. Five verses from the end. The Holy Spirit's all the way through here. The Holy Spirit is a personality that was created. Or oh, oh that's 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 blasphemy. The Holy Spirit has always been. He is God. The Holy Spirit, though, was given to us as a gift. That we would understand this. He was given to us a gift that we could walk in the grace and the power of God that he's told us to. in the obedience. We were given the Holy Spirit for a reason. And it's talked about all the way through here. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit begins the whole testimony of the New Testament by doing what? By aiding, by causing the conception of the Messiah within Mary's womb. Right there at the beginning of the story of our New Testament with him. Or our relationship with him. Our new understanding of God. Right there at the beginning. The Holy Spirit coming on to Mary. And later, he anoints and empowers Jesus' ministry. And if you're the note taker, Matthew 1, 20-21. Luke 1, 34-35. And Luke 3, 21-22. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus. God in flesh. The Holy Spirit was needed for Jesus to be able to do the power that he was in. At the Pentecost, he broke forth in full intensity, launching, empowering, and guiding the church. Not just what Peter was doing that day, but to empower the church. And keep in mind, he was a gift from the Father. One that we could ask for more and more and more. Listen, God the Father has a ministry in our lives. Knowing him is uttermost. Jesus came so that we could have relationship with the Father. He showed us the Father. He said, I do the things that the Father tells me to do. He, he was the billboard. He was the God in flesh walking amongst us to show us the Father We're pointing to the Father. The Father has a ministry in our lives of creation. The Father has a ministry in our lives of loving so much that he gave up everything that we could have relationship with him. The Father is important. Jesus, as I said, he's the flesh of the Father. He, It was his ministry to teach, show by example, interact, be tempted, and in all ways, show us the way. In It was his words that we hang on or we are hung by. Jesus taught us showed us instructed us i want to look at the ministry of the spirit though i remember going to the first baptist church when i first became a christian first became a christian went to first baptist pastor luther what i always thought was an ironic name for a baptist church but pastor luther was up there and he was preaching and um you you know all those crazy uh charismatic christians out there uh and and he's very staunch very uh strict about a lot of things, and Pastor Luther said uh, this, he said, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be preached on. The Holy Spirit's full ministry is to point people to Jesus. It makes the Holy Spirit uncomfortable to be looked at, because his whole mission is, hey, hey, don't look at me, look at Christ. His His whole thing is, look at the Father. Look at Christ, look at the Father. This is what this means about the Father. Read over here, this is talking about Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit pointing us And to a degree, I agree with that Pastor Luther's statement. I agree with what he had to say. But I don't know if Jesus agrees with him. I agree that the ministry of the Spirit is to point us to Jesus. Jesus himself pointed to the Spirit. He tells us that it was a good thing that he would leave. Because when he did so, the Spirit would come and infill his church. I was listening to Ephraim Reno. Anybody know him? Am I mispronouncing his name? Is that Reno? Like the city? Reno. Reno? Okay, very good. I was listening to, to a sermon from him back in 2020. It was preached at Ephrata. And uh, he quoted a section from a book without giving the book's name or author other than suggesting it might have came from Tozer. So my apologies. I don't know where this came from, but it was such a good qu- quote. I had to listen, type, listen, type, Listen. Type. You know, I had to. I I wanted to get every word of whatever he was quoting because it was good stuff. Listen to this. Uh, put yourselves in the sandals of the of the disciples here. When Jesus says, "I," it's better that I leave. It's expedient that I leave. Just just put your, yourself in their sandals and think this way. I tell you the truth. He said when he was about to utter what was hard to believe. I tell you the Truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. How could it be expedient? Would they not be losers to an extent that no man could reckon? The light of his countenance, the blessing of his words, the purity of his presence, the influence of his example, all could be removed. And this expedient for them? It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you well, would they not be better with themselves? Well, would they not be better with himself than with the comforter? No, just the contrary. They would be better with the comforter. He will lead them into all truth, whereas now they are constantly misapplying the plain words of Christ. He would bring all things to their remembrance, whereas now they often forget in a day or two the remarkable teachings or the most amazing miracles. He would take things of the Christ, the things of the Father, and reveal them unto them. Whereas not they constantly misapprehend his relationship to the Father and that of the Father to him. Misapprehending his person, his mission, and his kingdom. Again, he would convince, convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of the judgment to come. And this is not his one feature limited to a local personality, but his spirit diffused abroad throughout the earth. And he would be with them forever, not for a little while. Therefore, whatever Christ's personal presence and teaching had been unto them, the presence of his Holy Spirit would be more. Is that not well said? Can you imagine walking with Jesus and Jesus saying, Oh, by the way, I'm leaving. What? what? Oh, hold it. Time out. You can't. All right, we'd be like Peter. Like, no, 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 you can't. Well, don't, don't say that. But he said, no, 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 no. You don't understand it's better that I leave because something better is coming. What could possibly be better than walking with Jesus? Being in a in a three-year university with a professor that created the world. What could possibly be better? It's what we can experience now. But are we experiencing it? Is there evidence? Are we dripping wet? Am I? The Holy Spirit is to be the intimate companion of the believer. We are to know his voice and be guided by him. We pray his concerns, speak from this pulpit and others, uh, and lead others to Christ through his ministry in us. We walk the walk of faith in Christ through the Spirit. But the flesh can manifest so well the gifts that I just said. It can make it look like we're praying in the concerns of the Spirit. Our flesh can speak from this pulpit and even lead others to Christ through persuasion. And God forbid, I would mention it in this church, but think about the Crusades. We could lead people to Christ by the sword. That's not the Holy Spirit. Even the appearance of faith can be maintained by the flesh for a while. Am I, am I the only one that wants to be able to turn to my right and see the Holy Spirit? One of His names is Paraclete, one who walks beside. I want to see that. I want to see the presence of the Spirit. I want to, I want to just like, it's like, oh, you know, I just don't know if this is right. Is this right? And then have that conversation. I want that. But it doesn't work that way. We walk by faith and not by sight. He's called the Spirit. Because, and this is from a sermon I heard from Tozer, he said it this way, there are two forms of being. There's the physical form, you can touch it, you can move it by your touch, you can see it, and then there's the invisible form of being. Think about your thoughts, your soul, your spirit. More importantly, right now, for the purpose of this, be thinking about the Holy Spirit. He's a being that is not physical. It's not moved by touch, but it moves others with no touch. Our thoughts move us to do things by our own thoughts, but His Holy Spirit can persuade us, can move us, empower us, tell us, show us, render wisdom unto us. Thoughts are one thing being part of our physical being, but the Spirit is a being unto Himself. Our thoughts come from us. We're in connection with our thoughts. Unless... We have some mental issues, but we're in connection to our thoughts. The Holy Spirit is God, and he's a being that we can't grab hold of and hug, but he's a being that can speak to us. Part of the Godhead, but singular in personality, he can be hurt, wounded, grieved, filled with joy and celebration. In Acts, we are told the Spirit can be lied to, If you want the scriptural reference, uh, I'll just throw them out real quick. Acts 5, verse 3 through 11. Uh, We're told in Acts that he speaks, chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 13, chapter 21. That he confers, it seems good, to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's out of Acts 15. That he forbids, in Acts 16. And in Paul's epistles we read that the Spirit intercedes for us, Romans chapter 8. He wills and decides in 1 Corinthians twelve eleven Can be experienced in fellowship. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> but it's there. It's a promise. It can be experienced in fellowship. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And by that, I mean, I mean not fellowship me sitting in a room with the Spirit, although i love that. But I'm saying, as we manifest the gifts, as we get soaked, as we are dripping, coming through that door, having a week of just quiet times and going for the word and reading and praying and, and asking God, make me different. Is there something in me? As we walk through that door, dripping with the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can experience his fellowship right here. The same thing you can do at work, right? The same thing you can do with your family. That's out of 2 Corinthians 13. We talk about experiencing the fellowship. He can be grieved, Ephesians 4.30. He speaks in 1 Timothy 4.1. And can be quenched. That's a scary thought. First Thessalonians two nineteen. And in each instance, these are the actions of a personal being, not an impersonal force. Yet we cannot turn to our right to see him walking beside us. So how do we know? How do we know he is with us personally or with this church? How do I know that he inspired this morning's talk? You know, some things do boil down to faith. I, you've said it, Lord. I know you are trustworthy, so I believe when I received you, when I confessed my sins, when I acknowledged that I can't do this on my own, you gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit. I can confess and believe that when I begged you, that you didn't turn me away. That you gave me that gift. I, I can believe that. Leading up to this morning, I have begged God for more understanding and I feel like I'm closer but rather than having answers, I have more questions. You ever like that? You study it. I, 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 I'm still wrestling with that verse. You know, I, I want to see my children rise up and prophesy. I want to see me walk in victory of every thought, of every moment I get angry, and to speak words of blessing to my children. I want to see those victories. I want to see uh, a victory over doubts. I want to see healing. You want, you want Who here wants to see Kahlia completely healed? Oh, great, radiation's awesome, and if she decides to go that way, or, or surgery, or God has given wisdom, to, but who wants to see her just be healed? We prayed, right? Absolutely, we prayed. God, give us the faith. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit, right? I want more of Him. I want more of understanding. I want more than just... Just regurgitating up information that I've heard from Tozier and from Denny Kennison and from this fella and this fella. I want more. I want more of what's been promised. This morning, I wanted to be a pipeline to me. I wanted to be a pipeline by me to you. I wanted God to be able to speak through, through this meager effort to challenge. Again, I hope you're not thinking, those defensive thoughts, well, our church is good. We've done this. We've done mission trips and our children have done this. Individually, just be thinking about these things. Am I right in good relationship, a two-way relationship with the Holy Spirit? Am I? Okay. Let's go for a little challenge here. Let's backtrack, rewind the tape, go back to the beginning of the sermon. What if I started out today, instead of talking about what I've done and bared my soul to you guys, what if I had said something like this? What if I had said, did you know, in the book of Acts, every conversion, every time somebody accepted the Lord, it was accompanied by an overwhelming presence of the Spirit, accompanied by speaking in tongues, except for one. And on that one occasion, that one off occasion, something happened so amazing, so public, so different, that the magician said, I'll give you whatever you want. I'll give you some money. You, you, I want that. I want. So whatever happened, whether it was speaking tongues or not, something happened. What if what, what if this morning, if I, if I started this sermon, and I just, I just based it on this one verse. Let's, let's listen to this verse here together, right? This is Acts chapter 10, verse 43, and going on. It says, to him, all the prophets witnessed that, through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. Amen. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many who came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles also for they be, they Heard them speaking in tongues and glorifying God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid them water that these should not be baptized? For who have, for, uh, uh, I'm sorry, baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit? Let's just stop there. That's a lot, that's a lot more comfortable. Let's just, they received the Holy Spirit. Let's just, no, it says this, just as we have. It was a sign and a testimony to the Gentiles that they're speaking in tongues and there was these glorifying things. Again, they became dripping wet, not because to become dripping wet. They didn't go to swim in God. They were in God, and this a miraculous thing happened. Miraculous. Miracle. Not made up. And then he has the audacity to go on and say, just like it happened to us. That implies they had an outpouring a miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit when they came to know Christ. And you could certainly hearken back to the back end of Luke, beginning of Acts, uh, about their experience, but it was there. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Now, if that was the sole verse of the day and I was sitting in the congregation, I would say, you know, it's it's dangerous. You, You can't just base a doctrine, a teaching off of one verse. Okay, so let's go on. Acts chapter 19, nine chapters later. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul was having, uh, uh having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesians and fi- Ephesians, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, onto what then were you baptized? So they said, onto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, and that on Christ Jesus. And they believed this, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men who were about 12 in all, And he went on to the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading uh, concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Or I could add this verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now to be true to my topic, I got to say, chapter 2 is a little bit different. Chapter 2 is talking about an evangelistic in pouring or infilling of the, of tongues. It's not that somebody would have the gift of tongues. It would be that I, I go to a foreign language, a foreign place, Portugal or something, and I didn't have Google Translate, and all of a sudden I started speaking Cantonese, or, or, let's see, Portugal would be, um, uh, yeah, well, Portuguese. There we go. Uh, I started speaking Portuguese. I mean, this, this is like a Jew not knowing Apec language, and all of a sudden starts speaking Apec fluidly. Never even heard the word. Not that, that's even a language, I'm just saying. It's just God filled them for the purpose of talking about Jesus to these people. What if these verses out of Acts was the sole book that I was quoting from today? Now, see, if I were in the congregation right now, I would be thinking it's dangerous to be preaching out of a book that's about history. There is doctrines in, in Acts, but it's really kind of history, right? I mean, it's it's what God did for this moment, what God did for this moment, I would challenge you to look at those verses, not maybe, maybe it's chapter 2, but those other verses, and have that thought, and really honestly look at it. But okay, okay. Acts could be a book of history. Um, can I ask myself, sitting in the congregation right now, what's implied by Paul in 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you have a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or more, uh, 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 I'm sorry, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreters, let them keep silent in the church and let them speak to God and uh, uh, speak to himself and to God. So yes, the word if there is, if, if, if anyone speaks in tongues, but is it a possibility? Is it a possible occurrence? What would happen if it happened here? How would we respond? I I remember, well, a young gentleman over there got up and wanted to share something about the Lord and he just started doing, busted right into a rap song. And we were all like, wow, what's what's Roger going to do? You know? Are we prepared for God to move in a way that's uncomfortable for us? I could talk more about Paul's comments about his own use of tongues and wish wish that others had that gift. But my point is not tongues this morning. And Did you hear that sigh of relief right now? I'm not talking about tongues. I'm not saying we should experience tongues. But let me say it this way. It sounds like to me, that's a common gift. I mean, if you come from the mindset that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what happened in the book of Acts what happened in the Corinthian church, what what happened in Paul's personal life, it seems like most people have that gift. I don't feel like I do. I, I know that there's some people in our uh, uh, in our church's history that said that they did have it, but they used it for their private prayer lesson. But it seems almost like to me that it could be an expectation to be part of the fellowship. I, I remember vividly being in a congregation once and just feeling so strong that I had... A vision to share. And so uh, during worship, I walked up to the pastor and I said, you know, this is this is so out of my comfort level. But I really feel God had this to say. And and you know what he said? He didn't say, mm, yeah, we don't do that here. That's too weird. I've even heard his, uh, a radio per- preacher once say that I had a man come up to me and he said he heard the word of God and I, and I said... Well, you're about to. Go sit down so you hear the, what God's given us today. I mean, in other words, you, you don't have anything to conquer. You're you're on that side of the pulpit. Um, but this pastor, he he didn't say, oh, that's nice. Go sit down. He he said, okay. And then he went during worship. And he led worship. Behind the stage. And he prayed. And then he came and called me over. And he said, go ahead, Bob. And I, and I went forward and I said, "What could we do that here? No, I'm not trying to change it i'm not in leadership i'm not trying to change i'm not trying to do that but all i am saying is are we dripping wet are we ready are we ready to experience a move of the holy spirit in whatever uncomfortable way it is can our children stand and say thus saith the lord anyway moving on um in the same question, in the same section, I was talking about Paul when he was talking about uh, um, what he was saying about tongues. There in First Corinthians, he says this: Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are un, uh, 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 uninformed or unbelievers, they will not say, "Will they not say that you're out of your minds?" But if all prophesy, uh, but if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in he will be convinced by all he is convicted uh, convicted by all. He will be convinced by all he is convinced by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. I think a church that's not moving in a supernatural is a church that needs to think deeply about whether it is running on Holy Spirit power or is running on tradition And formality, and I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit does not or will not move in tradition. In uh, Thessalonians three six, I didn't write down which one, so it's one of them. Uh, But we commend you, brothers, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which we you have received from us. I'm not saying that tradition doesn't have a place and the Holy Spirit doesn't move through it, but tradition can be such a such a powerful gift of the flesh. It's route. It's familiar. It's not... But if the Holy Spirit wants to break through it, sometimes tradition can be a block to that. So don't just move in tradition, I think is what it is. And again, I'm speaking more to myself, but... So anyway, as a doctor would go through a checklist, perfect place to stop. As a doctor would go through a checklist... I found um, a list, of course there's thousands of lists on the internet, but a list of seven things that you should see if the Holy Spirit's welcomed in a church. Now I've added two of them to it, and, and I'll be happy to share that with you uh, next week. But I, can I just share this last thing before I, I go? You don't need to turn to it. It's, it's in our, our black hymnal and. Um, I know Greta writes down all, all the numbers of things so if she wants to or anybody else does it's, uh, it's number 204 and it says Lord possess me now I pray and just this first line I, I, just, I, I just I just want to I want to tell you look I may have said some things that are uncomfortable for you today I've talked about tongues I've talked about our children standing up and prophesying I've talked about some other things I am not personally feeling dripping wet. And that may be just my problem. But if you read the Bible and you go, hmm, well, I got that done today. If you, if you pray and you're like, okay, it's not my turn anymore. What else is there to look at in the room while others are praying? And, and you don't feel like you actually spoke to God. You're just speaking to others. If you don't, if you're not drawn to things that, that draw your heart closer to God, if those things are kind of more oh plain compared to watching movies or listening to to whatever or to listening to music that's like whatever. I mean if your heart's not drawn to the things that make you love this presence over here, then I don't know if you're dripping wet. I'm not placing a judgment on you. I'm asking you to judge yourself are you eager for a relationship with the Holy Spirit? And, and, and for those who are King James only, are you eager for a gift of the Holy Ghost to just pour out on you and be infill? I mean, that's the promise, right? Old Testament promise, he falls upon people. He fell upon the king, he fell upon the prophet, he fell... New Testament promise, there's an infilling He takes residence, and if he's there, he has something to say, and are we letting him, or are we getting comfortable? I'm just going to read this one line here. It says this, Lord, possess me now, I pray. Make me holy thine today. Gladly do I own thy sway. With thy spirit, fill me. With thy spirit, fill me with thy spirit, fill me. Make me holy, thine, I pray, with the spirit, fill me. Lord, there's much more to talk about. There's some things to reflect upon, things, Lord, I think you've, you've given me to share. I'm looking forward to that. Lord, don't quench the spirit of wanting more. Don't, Don't I don't know how to say it, Lord. I know the the enemy. I know our own flesh. I know there's many things in this world that would speak against being different, weird, or appearing drunk. But Lord, whatever you have for us, whatever you have for me, let me just say it that way. God, I pray right now to you. I need more of you. I need to be more radically involved with your Holy Spirit. I, I... I want to feel uncomfortable if that's where you want me. I want to be more comfortable with your presence than I am with this world. And I know that's only a byproduct of knowing your Holy Spirit. So I want to know your Holy Spirit more. I want it to be pointed to Jesus more. I want to be pointed to the Father more. I want the Holy Spirit speaking louder, clearer. And I want my, my heart to be prepared to receive all that. And those are scary prayers, Lord. But I need it. I, I, I am so in a wrong position with your Holy Spirit. And I want deeper. Let the sins of this world, what this world has to offer, let our, what our flesh has to offer, and quick answers of anger, all these things, Lord, let them be so just taken care of. By the presence of the Holy Spirit, let us say yes to you. Yes, 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 over and over again. That we could be walking more in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.